Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to Copa with Felipe Cardenas. I'm your host, and today's show is dedicated to sports journalist and soccer writer Grant Wall. I'm joined by two of my colleagues, Alex Abnos and Pablo Maurer, who knew Grant well and in their own unique ways. So I want to welcome them into the show first. Alex, Pablo, how are you? Uh, better. Uh, I, I've been better, generally. Uh, but overall, uh, you know, just seeing everything, all, all of everything that's sort of uh, the outpouring of support and sharing of memories and everything around uh, Grant's passing has made it, you know, a little bit easier to to handle to know, you know, everything that I assume we're going to be talking about uh, in this show. We will. Uh, Pablo, good to see you. It's been a while. Uh, Alex and I were in Doha for over 25 days, I believe. So it's nice to reconnect with you, even though it's through these screens that now rule our life. But happy to see you again. You too. I think one of these days we'll we'll manage to do this in person, I guess. But uh, for now, this will this will suffice. Okay. So before we we just uh, get started here, I, I do want to to begin with what we know about Grant's death. Uh, on Friday, December 9th, Grant collapsed suddenly while covering the Argentina versus Netherlands quarterfinal. This took place at Lucille Stadium in Doha. Uh, e- immediately following. The, the confirmation of his passing. Uh, there was obviously a lot of heartbreak. There was shock. I think all of us were very stunned. Uh, and, and there were a lot of unknowns as well as, as to what had happened, uh, as to what had happened you know, to Grant in that moment. I think we all saw that online misinformation spread rapidly. There were conspiracy theories uh, just taking over the narrative. Uh, you know, Grant's brother, Eric, I believe just in a bout of grief, you know, felt that Grant had been targeted and, and possibly killed in, in, in Qatar. He has since retracted those statements. And, and today we're recording on Wednesday, December 14th. Grant's wife, Dr. Celine Gounder, put out a statement via Grant's Substack, grantwall.substack.com, in which she clarifies and confirms that Grant died from an undetected ascending aortic aneurysm. She writes... No amount of CPR or shocks would have saved him. His death was unrelated to COVID. His death was unrelated to vaccination status. There was nothing nefarious about his death. Uh, Dr. Grounder then appeared on CBS Morning, um, CBS Morning's The Morning Show on CBS, saying uh, that the New York City Medical Examiner's Office had performed an autopsy that showed that the aortic aneurysm had ruptured. And so, Alex, uh, with all that now be known the facts are out. Uh, I think there's the closure perhaps can begin in that regard. You were there last Friday, December 9th. You were at Lucille Stadium. You were in the same press row as Grant. What do you remember uh, about those moments? Um, I remember just the sheer panic of that, that sort of happened in our row and really in the whole part of that section of the press box. As you know, Felipe, 
all of the press areas at World Cup stadiums are huge, um, and Lusail's especially so because it's the biggest stadium. Um, so I, I, you know, I don't know to what extent that panic was evident or spread to other parts of the press box, but the way that the FIFA seats uh, journalists at these at these games, you're sitting around people from your country uh, and the U.S. contingent. You know, everybody that had been closely covering the U.S. national team had had gone home by that point. So it was a, it was a smaller group. It was a close knit group. Everybody knew everybody. You know, a lot of names that I'm sure a lot of your listeners were, uh, know were there. Uh, Henry Bushnell from from Yahoo, Brian Strauss, uh, Ivis, uh, Gowarsa, Doug McIntyre, um, probably a bunch of other names that I'm forgetting. Um, and, you know, it was at a point that it, it happened at a point in the game that whole game was so tense and so, uh, you, you know, at, at, at that point in the press box in a game like that in extra time, everybody is so focused on what they're doing for their story. You know, both of you guys have been in these environments. You're simultaneously trying to keep track of every single kick of the ball in the game and also write your story, whatever your story happens to be, or get started on writing the thing you're going to have to finish later or you know, communicating with editors or whatever it is that you're doing. It's like the height, the, the most heightened state of focus you can possibly have in a press box. And that I'll just never forget the way that completely turned. Everybody was completely focused on the game, completely focused on their own thing. And then we got the first yell. Uh, I don't, I don't remember who it was, but we got the first yell that, you know, we need a medic, we need assistance. And, and this I was during stoppage time, correct? I, I think it was during extra time. During the extra time, I'm sorry. Yeah, extra time yeah. Before I, think the it was, I think it was towards like the end of the first half of extra time. Um, and you know, the, I we heard we heard that first yell, and instantly everybody just th- the focus entirely switched. Nothing about that game that everybody was was super super invested in and following mattered even a little bit at all. None, zero, like. And I didn't even realize it was Grant at first that 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 this was happening to. Um, he was down my row. Basically, I was on the aisle, and he was closer to, to sort of the middle. Those rows are sort; they tend to be split by these like I don't know how to describe it. Like basically, like a run of cables that goes mm-hmm. that goes down. Uh, and I think he was closest to that, and I was closest to the aisle. So I didn't, you know, uh, I didn't really see specifically what was happening, which I, I suppose in a way I'm kind of thankful for. Um, but, uh, at that point it was just pure, uh, not necessarily panic, but just action in a different way. Like we all had to get our chairs up and we passed them up the road to clear like a a full lane of space. You know, we all left our, you know, we were completely focused on our laptops and then like in about 20 seconds or less, we just left them and we were all standing in the aisle and waiting and like waving medics to to come in to the aisle so it was you know felipe it was awful it it was it was really really awful you it's 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 the last thing you want to happen um ever like ever um and the the entire you know they they were working on him for the entirety of the rest of extra time through penalty kicks and i think i don't remember who it was that wrote this but somebody for the times of of london wrote sort of a summary of what those moments were like from from his perspective, which I think was a little bit removed from where we were. Right. Um, and he described the sounds that normally accompany like a 
an extra time or penalty kicks, which would the sounds of the crowd, you know, the reactions and stuff, those would usually be like the perfect soundtrack for that sort of moment. And in that moment for us that were there, it was just annoying. Like, it was just like, can everybody please stop? Like our Mm -hmm. friend is, is, is in real trouble. Um, And yeah, uh, you know, (laughs) it was, there are a million other different little sort of images and and sounds and things that i remember from from that time but the the bottom line is that it was just it was just really really terrible like really really terrible you you mentioned you describe grant as as our friend and you wrote uh, a really moving tribute for the athletic title grant wall was my idol and my friend a selfless wonderful man i'll just summarize quickly i mean you were you're both from the kansas city area you write about idolizing grant at one point in your life, um, and sort of, he was the the standard, really, for as as a sports journalist, something that you wanted to do from a very young age. And then, you know, over the years, you you work with him, you get to know him, you you later become part of this intimate group that met in New York City to watch Champions League games together. Like I, I know that from from Twitter, from Instagram, you see the group. You, I always saw you there. Uh, how? What was it like writing that about Grant? And 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 just for our listeners, what what stood out when you're writing that? What what came to mind? Uh, just memories of Grant and and the past that you that you shared with him. That's a good question. Um, I mean, I was when when it happened, I was I was still very much in disbelief. I still, to a to a certain extent, am in disbelief um, that it happened. But uh, I, you know, I, I just had all this, these like memories and things that were floating through my head that, that I didn't really know what to do with and didn't know how to contextualize them. Um, and then Alice Kajelski, who, who edits our, our, um, our UK desk gave me a call and basically said, like, if you want to write something like this, he, there was no pressure on me to write something whatsoever. But he's like, if you want to, if that would help, basically then you should do that and and let me know if you feel comfortable running it send it to me um, and and you you're you're now back in new york city but you wrote that in doha yeah 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 that's right okay. um this was like you know within a day of of it happening um right. and so i appreciated that that there was not really a demand there so i was able to think of it as just a completely personal exercise like I, I approached it from this from the perspective of I'm going to write this down and into a Google Doc on my own Google Drive and you know whatever <laughs> you know I'll get done with it and if I if I feel good about it then I'll I'll send it to AKJ and whatever happens happens and if I don't then nothing has to happen with it and I will have at least tried and 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 had the exercise um, but I think as anybody that's written knows it can be therapeutic to write about stuff like that. And it certainly ended up being that way for me because I just I I just started a million different paragraphs of just memories I had of interacting with Grant that were meaningful to me in in one way or another, um, and I discovered as I was writing these out that like none of my stories that I could think of that were so meaningful for me were really all that unique because I was also reading Twitter at that time and people were posting all sorts of their own stories and their own memories and their own little sort of interactions with Grant that meant a lot to them. And I was just like, you know, like, yeah, I could write about the time that 
you know, he said good job to me about this story or, or made sure that I had an assignment at SI when we were working together. But like, I'm also seeing five other people <laughs> write these same things. Like, yeah. like, and that was the thing that was really just overwhelming to me at the time is that like, my grant stories were very, very meaningful uh, to me. And they were, uh, you know, motivating and his presence was a motivating factor in my life and my career. Uh, and, and these were very, 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 very important to me, but they were not just my own. They, you know, yeah. everybody had similar stories. And so I really, really wanted what I wrote to convey that, like both my own stories, but also conveying that like, he was this person to so many people. Um, yeah. I, I, before I get Pablo and I just want to, something that stuck out to me from the, the, the story that the tribute that you wrote, um, about Grant was you mentioned the time where you lost your laptop. You were essentially robbed in Brazil during the world cup. And you've told us this story a lot, like just for some, whatever reason, like you'll say, Oh, I remember, you know, that was awful. And my, my laptop got, got stolen in, uh, in Brazil. And when, when you would say that, I'd be like, that would just be awful. If, if, you know, especially now what I know the, the gear you take to a world cup, like how dependent you are on it, uh, it's everything to you. But I didn't know the part about meeting Grant in a cafe the next day and, and him sharing a similar story about what happened to him in Honduras in 2009. And then this sort of rocky Balboa moment that you had when you <laughs> climb, when you, you, you hiked up the, uh, the, the, the Corvada, Redeemer. Yeah. yeah yeah um and, and that was a wonderful uh, anecdote i thought um just rehash it for us for the readers who perhaps haven't read this yeah story. so so i i had written in the past about my own experience with getting mugged in rio it was like i wrote a big piece just about that and my general experience in brazil um and I wrote, wrote about that years ago. So I didn't really want to go back there because I, you know, I had already written about this. I didn't want to be known as just the guy that constantly writes about the time he was mugged once, um, which is sort of lame. Um, but it really like that was one of the things that I thought of um, was that night in Rio where it was it was Grant and Brian Strauss and Adam Duerson, who is uh, Brian was at SI at the time. And Adam Duerson was was their editor, and and you know Grant was was very much you know we were all talking, so it wasn't I I don't want to say it was just me and Grant, but you know he was certainly like a major major part of that conversation and letting me talk and when and I you know I had forgotten that he had gone through a similar thing, and I just thought it was just so representative of the type of interaction that was so common with him, where he will listen to you and is very interested in what you're going through, whether it's like a traumatic event like that, or just something, you know, relatively simple and by comparison, like a job search or whatever. Um, and he'll listen to you and he'll have a way of saying something or listening in such a way to where you then had all that you needed to go forward with more confidence yourself. Um, and I just thought that that story was like the perfect encapsulation of that. Uh, Cause the next morning I woke up and, you know, I, if anybody out there has done the Corcovado hike, it's not an easy one. You're, you're going, you're going basically straight up um, for a very, very long way. And, you know, had I not talked to Grant and had I not had that conversation and had he not told me about his own experience and, 
and basically I had the validation that my feelings that I were feeling at that time were, were okay and real. And that actually it was, it was all right to feel that way, but also recognizing that like, I still had my life, like they were just material things. I'll go back home. I'll, I'll, I'll be able to recover from this. You know, I was able to just have the, my last two days in Rio be my last two days in Rio and not just being constantly scared of everything that was around the corner. Uh, and that was something that Grant gave to me in that moment. Um, he, he sort of allowed me to, to, to move on very, very quickly from that. And like I said, he, I, 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 I say this, but those sorts of interactions were not unique. Like yeah. they, it, mine was not the only story that's like that at all. Pablo, you, you and I have spoken, I think every day since Grant's death. Um, we just have been, I think we've been leaning on each other a little bit. Um, just describe your relationship with Grant because it, it's, it's, it's different. Um, and you've even tweeted some of your own, you know, memories of having been a guest on Grant's podcast, football with Grant wall, but like it goes way beyond that. How, how would you describe your relationship with him? Yeah. I mean, I, I certainly was not as close to Grant as someone like Alex or man. I mean, since he passed away, you realized that he was, it felt like he had that sort of closeness with like so many people. Um, yeah. But it's funny. I did find myself wondering like what my initial sort of interaction with Grant was, you know, I, he's always been someone who was like, Oh, I've known him for 10 or 15 years. And it was a tweet in like 2010 or 2011. And it's so funny. It was, um, and this is so quintessentially Grant, not really even a criticism, but it was an interaction between him and just a random MLS fan on Twitter where he was kind of going after them <laughs> for criticizing <laughs> his work. And I had chimed in, in that sort of interaction maybe to stick up for Grant because I thought the person was being unreasonable and he had DM me to thank me and we started talking and I just, um, I don't know, man, I, um, had so many inter interactions with Grant, but I, the thing I always come back to and I've come back to in the past few days is that, uh, you know, his effect on my personal trajectory as a human being personally, professionally, all that sort of stuff. Um, I'm not, maybe your average soccer writer. I'm not college educated. I, I'm basically a high school dropout. And, you know, I, I always think to myself that people like Grant, uh, you know, are, are what sort of enabled me to <clears throat> maybe get ahead and sort of get recognized and get a bigger audience, you know, Grant from, from the beginning. I mean, from when I was writing for DCist, which is just a blog here in DC, that's, you know, maybe a big deal locally, but relatively unknown otherwise. Um, Grant was always tweeting my stuff out, emailing me, calling me with suggestions, uh, you know, very kind criticisms, um, putting in calls to people at U.S. soccer, putting in calls to people at MLS teams. Um, and I got to be honest with you, I mean, for, for at least 10 years, not asking for anything in return, you know. And um, I do think it's funny. I mean, like Alex says, um, to me, that's so tremendous and so meaningful professionally and personally. And then he passes away and you realize that he was doing this for like dozens of people. So many people. And yeah. it just like, um, it's, it's a tremendously moving thing. And especially in, in this line of work where the three of us know, I mean, it can be pretty unpleasant and people don't always support each other. You know, I think, 
the three of us and our colleagues maybe, you know, make it a point to try and follow Grant's model a little bit, you know, but that's not always the case. And I just had to think to myself, the fact that like, um, I'll put it to you this way, like Grant was, Grant could have so easily been like the gate, the gatekeeper. And so mm-hmm. often he just like took the gate off the hinges or something. It was like, no, like, come on in. Like, in fact, I'll like help you feel comfortable here. And it's, you know, it's like, uh, it's a really important thing, you know? So this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. I obviously, I don't have the same relationship either. Like I met Grant for the first time in 2018 and I remember exactly where it was. And I remember what he was wearing because it was like, this is Grant Wall. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So like I, obviously I got into the business late. Like I had a career in advertising for like 15 years. I jumped into soccer writing freelance in 2018 and like 2018, like immediately I'm covering an MLS cup final, like right away here in Atlanta. Uh, and I went to a, like a buffet lunch at the main hotel here in downtown Atlanta where everyone was meeting. And I think Don Garber was going to give his state of the league address later that day. And so I'm, I'm in there. Like uh, I saw Rob stone. I remember being like, Whoa, that's Rob stone. You know? And like <laughs> he sat next to me and like, he's like eating, not lunch, you know, eating lunch next to me. He said something about like, I enjoy your work. And I was just like blown away. And then Grant walks in. And I knew of Grant from his writing for Sports Illustrated. Like he was like the top guy, you know, and he's wearing a headband like he had <laughs> just worked out uh, shorts, but like tights under his shorts, mm-hmm. you know, legging tights, you know, uh, and uh, perhaps unknowingly a tribute to to Pablo, a sleeveless shirt, like a like a tank top. <laughs> Type, no sleeves maybe i think maybe a shirt underneath that so like you could barely see like a little bit of the shoulder sleeve below and he comes in and he just like obviously he had just worked out at the hotel and he like serves himself food and he sits at our at our table and he just starts talking to everybody and the whole time i was like that's current wall like he's at my table okay like i'm, I'm skipping i'm i'm like I'd escaped my job to come and have this lunch and, and mingle with people. And then there he was. So that was my first interaction with him. And then to Pablo's point over the years, we were Twitter friends and he would amplify my work. And that meant so much. It was the strange validation that I didn't think I needed, but that I appreciated. Um, and over the years I would see him at games. I saw him in, in Qatar, uh, briefly at the u.s soccer thanksgiving uh dinner that we had and again we ran into each other in the hallway at the that i guess that was a hotel where we had that 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 dinner yeah and he said i'm enjoying your work i'm 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 reading everything and in my head sometimes i'm like does he is is he how does he have time to read all of our our work but he would cite things that i wrote like details and then say that, you know, keep it up. And I said, the last thing I said to him was we should try to get a drink while we're here. Um, and we both slightly giggled about that because it was very hard to just like get a drink in Doha. <laughs> you know, you just like, don't do that. Um, but, but that was the last time I spoke to him. He wrote something very kind on my Instagram, uh, shortly before his passing a very similar note, 
that, you know, he has enjoyed my work. So, uh, I think what's also interesting is that Grant Wall and, and, and Alex, you touched on this in your, in your tribute, you, you mentioned something that I, I, I remember laughing internally when you wrote his occasionally combative calls with PR officers and editors. Um, because listen, yeah. like Grant was a very approachable person. That's what we're, that's what everything that we've just spent 20 minutes talking about, but he was all, and he was our cheerleader. He was everybody's cheerleader for, for so many people. But he had his ego, he had his character, he had his attitude, like everyone does, like to, to Pablo's point, like this is a very competitive business. So Alex, what did, wh why was that important to, to point out? I mean, I just think it was important because of what I wrote, which I think is that it, it I think there were a lot of people out there that had a different picture of Grant because of how they interacted with him online, because he would, he was not shy about snapping back at people that were criticizing him. Um, and a lot of people took that the wrong way or took him to be thin skinned or whatever. Yeah. And maybe there is an element of that, but like ultimately what I always saw it as and what I hope that people see it as now is that he was just fiercely protective of himself, his work, the seriousness of his work, um, his reputation and I think it was actually kind of a necessary necessary element to have if you're going to be the number one main soccer guy in the United States of America, especially yeah. as somebody that's going to be relatively, not entirely alone, but certainly on his level of notoriety or fame, if you want to put it that way. He's, he's going to be a lightning rod for just a lot of anti-soccer stuff, a lot of people within the soccer community that think he's not going to be doing it the right way. Like in, in situations like NFL or basketball or whatever, where you have a bunch of people that are at that level, that criticism and that sort of vitriol ends up getting dissipated a bunch. Like yeah. you can, you can come after, uh, you can come after Shams, you can come after Woj, you can come after, you know, any of like, you know, five to 10 other national NBA reporters. If you don't like the way they cover the game. Right. If you didn't like the way soccer coverage looked in the United States for a long time, Grant was the person to come after. Um, so I think he had to develop a little bit of a of a of a thick skin to that sort of thing and a willingness to defend himself, um, which I think rubs some people the wrong way. But I always sort of saw as just being kind of necessary to him being in his position. Yeah. I, also, Alex, I, I thought one thing, um, one thing I noticed about your piece that maybe I'd, I hadn't seen in others and I was sort of uh, grateful and relieved to see is that you spoke about him as a writer. Um, yeah. Which, and that's, yeah, I mean, like, let's important. not forget, man, this dude was just such a fucking good writer when he wanted to be. It was crazy. And like yeah. every, um, I think of a lot of my professional interactions with him and stuff, you know, him like pointing things out about my writer, or giving me advice. And like, all I could think half the time was like, man, I rip you off so much. Like I even, I even, I would think like in my writing, I rip Grant off to a fault sometimes. I mean, like I think about like the, the leads of my stories and how long they are sometimes. And I'm like, man, that's the only thing I don't like, like didn't like about Grant's writing. I still, <laughs> I still rip it off. You know what I mean? Like, um, he was such a good writer, man. And, and like, uh, you know, Grant's thin skinness was one of his many idiosyncrasies, I think, obviously. Um, but it is exactly what Alex said. I also think it's that he was 
he was a huge name in soccer writing when Twitter was even still in its infancy. And it probably felt honestly more like a personal attack. I mean, nowadays yeah, we've come up in an atmosphere where it's like, yeah. don't feed the trolls. I mean, that, that's not a, that's, that's a relatively new attitude. I mean, I think Grant Grant's response to every criticism of his work was always like, well, why, why are you criticizing me? And why it's like, you know, a modern, you know, more sort of guys who started out later probably are just like, well, they're just assholes on the internet. You know, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I would like to really, really emphasize what Pablo just said, which is that it's great that everybody's talking about what a good person Grant is, because Grant was a great person and so important to so many of us in the industry. But like, please let's not forget that he was a fan. He was in that position because he was a fantastic writer. Like, yeah. that's the reason he got the platform that he got in the first place. You know, and that's. That's true regardless of whether he was writing about college basketball, which is how he started uh, at SI, or soccer, uh, which is obviously where he ended up. Uh, and it wasn't just the strength of his writing or how clean it was uh, when it came in and how sort of refined all of his ideas were. Um, the organizational approach was always like exactly on point. He was also just an, an incredible reporter. He would get scenes and put you in locations with people that that as a reader that you would that's why you kept on coming back to him I, I i feel like there was a story that he did off of i think it was the 2002 world cup uh where he put you in the locker room at a world cup game uh with ronaldo with with uh r9 phenomenon yeah i mean alex and even even like i mean even the book even the beckham experiment which i only read yeah. three or four years ago it's like i can remember specifically remember like six or seven or eight locations in that book the hangar bar or you know like a nightclub in dc or this or the other thing and you're, you're completely right it's like as it was like so full of detail and um you know sort of like grab you and stick you in places it's just something people don't do well anymore and i and i remember asking him once like i i asked him about that scene that i just mentioned i i asked him just like Grant, how? Like, how did you do this? How did you know? <laughs> how did you know that this, like, how did you put readers in a World Cup locker room? Like, that's an insane place to know what's going on. It's like one of the most locked down places that you can imagine, especially for a country like Brazil or England or, or whatever it is where media access isn't really a thing. And he was, it was just, his answer was like actually very boring and very just like reportery. He's just like, well, I knew somebody that knew somebody that, you know, uh, told me everything that happened and I confirmed it with this person and blah, blah, blah. And, yeah. you know, so, so there was, there was great writing and there was really, really excellent legwork behind that writing, which is part of why it was so good. And part of why it was insane that he had time to talk to any of us. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> That's how my he did point. it. That's my point. How I brought up, like, how did you find the time to read my random story about Atlanta United's, uh, just the destruction behind the scenes, you know, like something like that. Yeah. Um, but to your point, like the, the writing is what I first, how I first engaged with Grant Wall. And I remember thinking that once I became a full-time journalist thinking like, man, how do you get there? Like, how do you get to that place? How do you, how do you even meet that standard? Uh, and, and there are two stories I just want to bring up uh, that, and they're very recent stories that he wrote. I know you, we've mentioned the Beckham experiment, the, the, the book that he wrote, uh, years ago. And there's hundreds of stories that we could call out, but there were two that I read recently that I just remember thinking, man, this is, 
this is top bins, top bins reporting like that. This is what I would love to do. And the first one was uh, titled Reinventing the One and Only Ronaldo. He profiled R9 as in his life now as an owner, as a La Liga owner with Valladolid. Uh, and I just remember reading that story and, you know, he got Ronaldo to comment on quote, the ridiculous haircut from 2002 from that world cup. And just like, I was like, man, like I want to, I would love to have asked R9 that like he had Ronaldo discussing the seizure that he, uh, suffered before the 1998 world cup final. And it was just so casual, uh, and very, a, a very approachable read with one of the most famous, athletes in history um so so that was incredible and and then one of the ones that he wrote for his Substack uh that i still go back to and it was one of the few that i personally like reached out to grant to say this was an incredible read was the one where he traveled to moldova and wrote about yeah fc sheriff incredible the, story. the yeah. first team so from that league to reach a champions league group stage they defeated Real Madrid, like it was ridiculous. And, <laughs> and that was just what we saw on TV. But then he goes to Moldova, he travels the country. Uh, it was just something that I felt like this is what to me, this is what epitomizes journalism, not just sports journalism, not just soccer writing, but being on the ground and, and, and doing the work and talking to as many people as possible, and then structuring a story uh, that can be consumed and, and enjoyed. So um, those are two stories that stood out to me and, and we don't need to go through every story that Grant has written, but, uh, I think to, to Alex's point of, of mentioning that just the skill of, of, of putting pen to paper is so important. He, he was like, I just want to say really quickly too, cause it's, it's advice that I took from him on multiple occasions. He was, and we've all been, for example, on his podcast or interacted with Grant in a professional capacity. And, you know, if I've, so I, I guess I could say I've been interviewed by him several times and I've always been like, man, this dude asked the best questions. And like so many of them were so simple, but things. Yeah, they're very simple. Exactly. And like, I, I remember having a conversation with him once years ago where he told me that um, uh, kind of like one of the hacks was to uh, ask players, whatever your inter- subject, uh, interview subject was, how they felt. And I thought to myself, man, Nobody has ever done that. Like, it's sort of like talk to players after a huge loss or a big win. When do you ever hear a reporter say, how did you feel in that moment? I mean, I know I know it sounds dumb, man, but I mean, that's like the level his brain was operating on, sort of like these obvious things that all of us and every other journalist have kind of missed in those moments where we're just like, what was that like? Or X, Y, and Z thing instead of like, how did that make you feel? Right. That's how you get those like personal moments. So it's just crazy, you know? Yeah, that's how you get people to open up to you. Yeah. He he just he, he had such such an incredible skill at doing that with everybody, which is part of why he was able to get put readers in those places that we mentioned before, where readers usually don't end up getting put. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad I am very glad we're talking about this because it's important. Like it's, it's, it's the reason why he was, he was such a big deal to many of us. He's a, he's a big deal, not just because he was at the position he was at, but the reason he was at that position is because he was so skilled at his job, just so ridiculously yeah. skilled. He also just, and, and we can, uh, I, I do want to end on this, but it's, it's so again, like a minute detail, but like he was very noticeable in, in person in crowds. Like he was a big <laughs> yeah. guy. He always wore that hat. 
<laughs> and, or, and that's, or, or no hat. I mean, the board no hat. was a, you know, yeah. You, you always saw Grant Wall. Like in, in Doha, I remember, uh, I believe, gosh, I don't even know what game it was, but I was in a stadium media center. Uh, so those are just like, they're like temporary tents with just a bunch of desks and plugs and people are writing or preparing for the game. Uh, and this to me also was just epitomized what we all were doing in Cutter. I saw Grant walk in, speed walking through the media center. <laughs> and I was at my desk writing and like I had headphones on. I was probably transcribing. So like I didn't say hi to him. He didn't see me, but he just like darted past me. And I, I managed to just turn around to see, you know, where he was going. And he went to like a corner desk and whipped, literally whipped his backpack off. And in one swoop, fell into a chair and started writing. <laughs> uh, and I was like, yeah, okay. That's what we're all doing here. Like, it wasn't like, that's Grand Wall. I was like, yes, just like us, we're all trying to do something uh, up against it here. And so, but again, he was wearing his black t-shirt. He was wearing the hat. Uh, and, and, and that's who I saw in Mexico city during, in, 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 I believe that was March. Yeah. March, November. Um, yeah, no March for us against Mexico in March. <laughs> November. It's, been, yeah, it's been yeah. a long oh, year. Gosh. It's been a, it's been a long year. Uh, and I remember I was walking out of the hotel and like, he was one of the first person people I saw and it was just sort of a cordial greeting, but that uniform uh, to me is, is unforgettable as well. He, he, he has all these, it's like, I mean, he like, He's one of the only people in American soccer you could imitate. I'm not going to do it, obviously, <laughs> but you know the cadence of his voice. I, I've thought for the past few days when you sort of think back to interactions, I thought about his laugh like a hundred times. It just sort of cackle, bite his tongue, lean back kind of thing. You know, I mean, he was just like um, really physically, even in the way he sort of spoke, a unique, memorable person. I think that sort of may have contributed to his um, his notoriety. You know, um, but yeah. it, it is There's so many different things he did and really makes me laugh. So there, there are two things <laughs> that have come to mind in the last couple of days, especially uh, for me. One of them is, was, so he, he got, he got, because he was on TV a lot, he got a lot of criticism or just like dumb sort of vitriol or whatever for the way his voice sounded, because he did not have a traditional an announcer voice, an announcer <laughs> yeah. voice uh, right. at all. Um, and he had a voice that was like, like you said, Pablo, like, I'm not going to try to imitate it, but it was like imitatable. It was like, beg, <laughs> it like, be, it like begged for imitation for, for better or worse. Uh, but he was on TV and he made, he had a great television career, yeah. uh, at, out of that as well. And I remember on, for some, this is like just a, a random Twitter thing that he did once that I always remembered because I thought it was kind of funny, uh, the way he decided to go about it was that he, he must've made some TV appearance on Fox or whatever. And it must have been a bad day for those sorts of comments or whatever. But he must have been getting a ton of them. So he tweeted something to the effect of, uh, to like, to, I looked up the tweet yesterday. I don't, so, so I don't remember the exact wording. But he tweeted something to the effect of, to all of you, like, tweeting me about my voice. Uh, <laughs> it's like Marlo Stanfield from The Wire. My voice is my voice. <laughs> oh, wow. Because <laughs> the Marlo Stanfield line is yeah. my name is my name. Uh and he said, I've made peace with it and you should too. Uh, and I just thought that was beautiful because like he he definitely recognized that he was like not he didn't have the the traditional announcer voice. 
and he also <laughs> just didn't care. Uh, he was, he, yeah. he was, he was, uh, totally focused on, on making the most out of, out of what he had. The other thing that I've been thinking about and, you know, this both makes me laugh and also makes me a little sad, which is that like part of maybe this is weird. I don't know. But part of the disbelief that he's gone makes me wonder if he were still around finding out about his own passing, like what his reaction would be. <laughs> and yeah. I just I'm, I can hear him in my head being like, oh, well, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> 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 <Okay. laughs> Like I can yeah. see, I can see. Just so, like, so succinct. He I was can, very succinct. Yeah. With... I can, I can, I can see like the expression on his face. You'd be like, oh, that's 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 really unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah and and I've you know that that has both made me sad and, and actually made me laugh uh, a lot over the last couple of days. Alex, you know what I realized uh, yesterday actually is that Grant, among other things, that he introduced me uh, to about thirteen years ago introduced me to Pappy Van Winkle bourbon. I thought to myself, <laughs> this guy, this guy knew about this stuff before it became this sort of like cultural phenomenon. He was like, cause I remember he told me about it and I bought a bottle at Irving liquors in Mount Pleasant here in DC. I bought a bottle for like $18, you know, and now I'm like, <laughs> so I've thought to myself, man, I'd, I'd love to have a glass of this and think about Grant. And I'm like, I'll never find this my entire life. Yeah. You know? Never. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, who's going to take over the mantle of being the ultimate soccer reporter and foodie? Because Ooh. that was Grant. You know, Grant was that was part of his his brand as well. I remember his Instagram stories and seeing like, man, how did you cook that? That's incredible. Like, <laughs> none of us, none of us uh, will ever get that. You know, magazine style famous, if you will. I don't think it's going to no, happen on no. our end. So, yeah, <laughs> something something I mentioned to somebody else that was that that was talking about about him was that he was. Uh, really the right the right man for the right job at the right time because I like Pablo said I don't think anybody is no singular singular person is going to be sort of the guy in the same way that Grant was for That's American true. soccer at the time because it's just too big now um, yeah. and, it, and yeah. it's grown so much in no small part because of his work by the way um, so if you're going to have somebody in that position for as long as he was in that position you want him to be both really, really good at his job, which he was, but also somebody that isn't a gatekeeper, like Pablo mentioned, and he yeah. wasn't. So that's, you know, overall, I'm, I'm thankful for Grant for a lot of reasons, but that's one of them is that he was, he was perfectly positioned and the, exactly the right person that we needed as a soccer journalism community in the, in the U S to, to do what he did. Grant, um, as you mentioned about Grant, Alex, in your, in your tribute, uh, he wanted the entire garden to grow. I thought that was beautifully written uh, and so easily uh, easy to understand. And and, and as, as someone that is part of that garden and as someone that he, you know, he watered my plants occasionally, granted, <laughs> in, in amplifying my work and, and, and letting people know like, hey, this guy can do it. Uh, you know, this guy's good. And he would tell me even privately in messages like so-and-so read your story, thought it was great, like whatever it may be. So, uh, that, that I think epitomizes as well, uh, where his legacy is and what it will be to your point about just the, the community of soccer writers in America is so huge now. And the sport is becoming, uh, a behemoth, not just in, in, in North America, but, uh, around the world. We're four years away from the world cup. 
it's going to be, as Meg Linehan wrote in Twitter, so bizarre to not see Grant, you know, at, at the World Cup, uh, at the Women's World Cup next year as well. Uh, and I think about that often, like how 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 can we sort of keep it keep keep his work or his standard at that level? Uh, each each one of us individually. That's something that I've thought about a lot since since last Friday. Uh, so thanks for coming on, guys. Um, it, it's been it's been helpful. Uh, again, uh, rest in peace, Grant. It was uh, an honor to know you, to interact with you, uh, and and you'll live a long time in, in our hearts. And I think this sport obviously is much better because you were part of it.